0: Welcome to the Door County Pulse Podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor for the Pulse. How's it going, Miles? It's going good, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's a pretty nice, sunny day out. Uh, we've had some pretty good weather the last couple days.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if you remember, but like last year, right after Thanksgiving, we got dumped on with that snowstorm right. like that very weekend. And it only dawned on me a couple days ago that I'm like, oh yeah, we would normally have not normally, but like there's good probability we'd have serious snow on the ground and, and frost so right this is, we're on borrow time well
0: exactly and i i'm particularly paying attention to when the snow is going to come because we just moved into our new house and we don't have a garage this time around so starting to like decide okay when do i need to get the the tarp out when do i need to do this get this little bore moved out um because we're we're gonna try to hit this winter really hard with the the preparation kind of stuff because we don't have a garage to just leave our cars in so wait
1: wait a minute you you made this move. I, I wasn't privy to this. You downgraded from a garage to a no garage house we on did. purpose. Well, not- You on, traded the garage for internet. You made that call. Yeah, yep, there it is. Uh, this is a very debatable decision here, n- n- Now it's all- Well, because here's the thing. Uh,
0: everything is in place to build a garage, right? The location is there. Uh, Electricity has been run already. Uh, we would just have to build a garage. So- It's not to say that we won't build a garage in the next year or two, um, but I would rather have a house that has excellent internet and the ability to put a garage up very easily than a house with a great garage and no internet again. You are a brave man. (laughs) Like I said, we're going to try one winter to see what happens. Uh, I've got the snowblower, but I'm ready to upgrade to something bigger, uh, more powerful if need be. Uh, We're going to try, you know, just we're going to try to actually hit the winter hard this time around and see what we can do about preparation. The nice thing is... uh, i pull right out of my driveway into 57 so we're not going to have to worry about my neighborhood didn't get plowed out until the next day at noon anymore that is
1: that is a bonus like i'm on double z up in sister bay and the same thing where you're the county trunk roads get hit pretty early so don't have to worry about that um i've been slowly helping my dad build a garage at his house for two and a half years it's the Danhausen way we do it in, in fits and starts right but um now that he finally has it enclosed and he, he can go out to his car and it's not covered in frost, he is so happy. And I'm just like, I, I wish we could have done this for you sometime before you were almost 80. Right. <laughs> and, but now with a kid and you with a young kid, um, one thing I'm really grateful with for our garage, cause like I said, growing up, we never had one, so we didn't know any better. But now that I have one, I'm like, oh, not having to carry that, the little baby carrier outside in the cold and like hoof all this stuff to take him to daycare, um, It's pretty nice. That's it. Uh, underrated aspect of a garage.
0: Definitely, definitely the challenge that, that we're going to face as well. Um, looking at maybe getting a remote start installed in my car just to warm it up a little bit before we get out there. Yeah, um, I would advise that. Yeah, right. So just lots of lots of little things to prep as we move forward. But uh, I think I'm going to be able to, to tackle it. And it's nice to know that you can build a garage so I can get you over next year to help us. With I didn't ours. say I could build one well. I, well, there is a structure. OK, well, at least your dad, you know, has a place to park his car. Yes. And I, I don't know if you can ask for much more than that uh so why don't we jump right in actually i'm gonna have you segue us because we're gonna talk about me so uh, i'll let you jump this one all
1: right andrew so first thing to talk about this week you've got a little bit of a new role with us here at the pulse i do uh i uh, have been moved over from the the video
0: production side of the pulse peninsula film works to the editorial side of the pulse uh and it's pretty
1: exciting um let's rephrase that we have added the editorial side of the Pulse to your video production site. No, just kidding. Well, no, that that is fair. Uh, there's definitely video stuff that I'm going to continue to do
0: throughout uh, this year and then into the future. If you watch the weekly Pulse show, I'll be continuing to do that. Be continuing to do the podcast every week. Uh, Maybe so, even more of the the Pulse show. <laughs> right. Uh, definitely the 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 content will change as I am as I am digging into what's actually happening every week this time, rather than getting it kind of secondhand. So there's definitely some efficiencies that are going to come. I'm really excited about it um Aliyah kid who was the lifestyle editor before me uh she stepped down to spend more time with her family and we're gonna miss her a lot over here she did incredible work while yeah, she was it, here
1: it was awesome having her on the team the last couple of years and um as new fathers um probably both of us i'm sure can sympathize with wanting to be home with your child more and right. um Totally respect that decision um, At the as The Pulse we will definitely miss having her at the office, but she's right down the road. She's not going anywhere. So. Right. We'll be able to see her uh, and, and see her daughter as she grows up. Uh, hopefully
0: all of our kids will be friends.
1: And Aliyah did a fantastic job helping us evolve the paper and, and do things with our digital side and help us launch Door Wedding the Magazine, uh, which will continue. Um, but part of your job is stepping in and filling some of those shoes, not an not apples to apples um, skill set trade, right? But um, we're just super happy to to have you just kind of do more with the policy. You've been doing a great job with the podcast and the video and everything with Filmworks and been dabbling more and more on the writing side, with uh, especially in the theater and performance sector. So I think it's a, a great fit and we're... Excited to have you do it. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm excited as well. Uh, as
0: you kind of mentioned, Aaliyah focused pretty heavily on the food side of things and mm-hmm. the outdoor side of things, as those were were her passions and her strong suits. I don't necessarily have those same strong suits, but I do have a background in performing arts and visual arts. So I'm hoping that I can take uh, my background in those things and kind of... Uh, Put some time into enhancing those sections of the paper. Right. So the the any section will look a little bit different moving forward, probably. But uh, we're always going to strive to give you the best content we can. Uh, it'll just maybe focus on some different things. That's not to say that food content and outdoor content is going away. We have some great writers who are going to continue to work on those things. Uh, but we'll we'll see how how it looks a year from now after I've kind of really solidified into the role. But
1: yeah, it, and maybe exciting. even even a few months from now, we'll be talking about theater performance in more than the hypothetical sense, but actual shows. I mean, right. the vaccine news, fingers crossed. I get a little more positive every day. And I start thinking, hey, we might actually be able to congregate again. Right. I saw a, a video clip from somebody who lives in a city in Australia a couple of days ago, came across Twitter, where they haven't had a case in seven months. And um, they it was a clip of people just partying at a concert like normal times and i'm watching that going oh yeah i kind of forgot that that's going to be possible again right because you start to get locked in like this is how it's always going to be these things are going to stay and people are going to be afraid to do that that's what we thought after 9-11 too but then people started going to football games again and people started going to big crowds and building skyscrapers and flying and all those things so um as we as we sit here Stuck in this COVID bubble, like it's nice to see a little light at the end of the tunnel. Well, and that light
0: is growing stronger every day, too. I mean, there are people who have gotten the vaccine publicly in some parts of the world. There are people in America who have gotten the vaccine as part of like public trials or Mm -hmm. or testings, um, which which is really interesting. I don't know if you know anybody um, who has, but I have a friend who is participating in the trial. And basically, the way that it works is some of the people who are participating are given the vaccine and some people are given a placebo. uh, And you won't know what it is but you have to go in for two injections like space six months apart or something like that um but the the nice thing is if the vaccine becomes available to you in your area or if you want to drop out of the trial or or anything like that they'll tell you what you got so let's say you go in and you get the placebo and you don't know it but then vaccines are available in your area you can call the testing site and be like hey I, I may have gotten a placebo, I may have gotten the vaccine, what did I get because vaccines are available? They'll let you know if you hmm. need to actually get the vaccine or not. So uh, if it's something that is available around you and it's something that you're interested in doing either to further the science or, you know, just to get a shot at the vaccine early, um, something that you could look into. Very interesting. Yeah. So uh, with that, why don't we move on to some news? Uh, up in Sister Bay, there have been some condos proposed for the old Fred and Fuzzy site. Walk me back a little bit because we had talked about Fred and Fuzzy's selling earlier in the year. Um, where did things end with that portion of the story, and and what's kind of gone on in the meantime before this proposal?
1: Yeah, so obviously a lot of people interested in that the Fred and Fuzzy's Pebble Beach area, the Fred and Fuzzy's Little Sister Resort property um, that was sold earlier this year to. Lance and Bridget Crane. Originally, they wanted to purchase the waterfront side of that property and just build a private home there. And the way that it's zoned, they couldn't just build a private home, it's zoned for commercial, so you'd have to maintain a commercial aspect to that property. So what they ended up doing was also purchasing the land on the opposite side of the road, farther landward of the water, uh, where the where much of the little sister resort property and and kind of an old barn was located, so that way they could come back with a way to maybe keep it commercial. And there was talk that like oh maybe they they would leave Fred and Fuzzy's there in some form. But what they've come back with is a proposal for eighteen an eighteen unit residential condominium complex um, spread across what they said last night was essentially about seven acres of land there. The This would, they'd clear out all the old Little Sister Resort properties, the old cabins and the Fred and Fuzzies building. And there's one or two small buildings around there that it looks like they would plan on keeping. So in terms of the like public-private ratio
0: here, um, Pebble Beach is along that area, correct?
1: Yeah, so this is the area... A lot of people think of, when you say Pebble Beach in kind of common parlance up here, people think of almost Fred and Fuzzy's as all part of Pebble Beach, right? And Little Sister Resort. Pebble Beach, there's 600 feet that the village of Sister Bay purchased, and that ends basically at the, the little dock that's down by Fred and Fuzzy's, <clears throat> give or take a few feet. And then from that point on is what is now owned by the, the Crane family. Right.
0: So this is one of those circumstances where I feel like there will be a community reaction to this. Um, I don't know necessarily how much stake I put into the community reaction of something like this, where it's a private business that's up for sale uh, being changed into something else. Of course, you know, a lot of people get upset whenever condos are proposed anywhere up here, yeah. but um, I I'll, I'll be interested to see what the actual reaction to this is. What, what are the next steps in terms of this proposal?
1: Well, by doing this kind of development, they fall under conditional use. So this is a conditional use permitting process, which means it has to go to a public hearing. They the public gets to weigh in on it, and then that doesn't mean that the public can change it necessarily. The, the conditional use permitting process has really been solidified due to state legislation over the last ten years. That you have to have really specific reasons and really well justified reasons to change or say no to a project. So it's unlikely. That, that you could stop a project, but there are ways that the village can shape it. So it'll go to a public hearing. It'll get public input. You'll also get more input from the board and the plan commission. At last night's plan commission meeting, we're recording this on Wednesday. Um, the the meeting was Tuesday night. Denise Burdo up in Sister Bay, who is probably a, as good at zoning and plan commission matters and and picking apart a part project as as anybody in the county. Um, it, it like watching her run a meeting would be a good educational. Um, decision for almost any other town up here. But she did point out a couple of things. They, the minimum lot size for a single family home in Sister Bay is like 20,000 square feet. This would propose about 11,000 square feet per building. So what the cranes have proposed is to kind of interpret that as this is a condominium complex. So then it's kind of a multi-family dwelling. So you can have um, the homes on smaller lots. I know I'm getting into the weeds here, but this is kind of a, ma- this could end up being a major sticking point that determines the size of this development. Right. Um, Denise was saying, Denise Berto was saying that the, you know, the calling it a condo versus calling it a home doesn't matter. They still function in the same way. So this would be guided by the, the single family home guidelines, but they're going to have to go back and, and check with attorneys to find find out if that is correct. Right. So right now it looks like a couple of units down by the water. 16 units kind of landward that go kind of pretty close to where the um, village's portion of land is. And then the the landward buildings would not have access to the waterfront amenities of the other condominiums. And part of that is the cranes plan on building their own private home on, an, on a smaller portion of this property on the water and essentially funneling all those people to use the public portion of pebble beach which hmm. i think is going to end up being a little bit of a sticking point of uh for for residents and i and you heard this a little bit at the plan commission last night where um some of the commission members said so you're you're not going to give your that those condo owners access to the water on your property you're just going to piggyback off the villages which i mean people do all the time people build homes next to parks to take advantage of the park yeah? right so there's there's nothing wrong with that but that was just a, a an item that came up at last night's meeting.
0: Interesting. Yeah, it looks like there are uh, a couple of hurdles to get over for this proposal moving forward. Um, you, you said that the Fred and Fuzzies as a restaurant will will no longer be
1: correct. That yeah, Fred and Fuzzies will be gone, and Little Sister Resort will be gone.
0: Okay. And um, like I said, in terms of of people's access to Pebble Beach, then uh, does this change? In ter- does this change anything in terms of how people will be accessing the beach, or will it just? you know, be different with the condos kind of around it.
1: Well, one interesting point, and I'm glad you mentioned this, is the Cranes have argued that by making this change and just having 18 condos versus the restaurant and resort, you're going to really minimize traffic down that road. It's a narrow road for anybody who's been down there. They know it's it can be tight at times. Um, parking can be a little wonky down there. So there they would be limiting a lot of those things. However, right now, the way most people access Pebble Beach itself is the, the road that goes down by the cemetery on the other side of that Pebble Beach property. But what the villages and the land trust is looking to do is actually have them access it pretty close to Fred and Fuzzy's which has already been a highly trafficked road. So you'd just be taking all those cars and moving them to the other side and different access point. So you may end up with, you'd probably still end up with a reduction of traffic if that scenario plays out, but maybe not as much as uh, the cranes and the developers believe Um, how that development goes on with Pebble beach is remains to be seen. Um, As a side note, I have volunteered as an ad hoc committee member for helping to um, plan some of the Pebble Beach project as somebody who advocated um, for the protection of that property. I felt I had to step in and put my money where my mouth is and <laughs> help keep it clean and help uh, um, protect it. But it's going to be interesting to see how that combination of development and the beach and public use plays out. The one thing I will say that, that people can maybe lean on a little bit is the, the cranes, knowing that they're putting their private home there, you would think that they probably don't want to see it overdone as well. Right. But, you know, people are often driven by money, hence you max out your number of homes you build. Sure. So uh, another
0: condo story for this week, similarly proposed for Sister Bay. This one is a little bit smaller.
1: Uh, tell me about this proposal. Where Where is this looking to be? Okay. So Al Goki, who has developed several different projects in the village of Sister Bay in the last five or six years, has proposed a 14-unit condominium complex behind the Sister Bay Yacht Club and most people would say, "How do you put something behind the Sister Bay Yacht Club?" That's basically the bluff, yes. and and that's true. There is a there is one home behind there that would be purchased for this, and this would be kind of slivered in there um, between the bluff and Sister Bay Yacht Club. It's Al Goki presented it last night as a hotel, but really, what it is is a condominium that would be rented out as vacation rentals um it would not have your traditional front desk and management services of a hotel it'd be run by a management company which is basically a way to say a vacation rental company and then you would have cleaners come from off-site it's not like you'd have your on on-site staff um cleaners and things like that the way he described it last night so there's some discussion he talked about potentially having a four-story rooftop deck or something there and as part of his idea there's going to be some issues with that because if you go up to four stories you have to have commercial on the first floor he is proposing to put like a spa and lounge on the first floor that would be primarily for the use of the guests um because if you if you go four stories you need commercial it's kind of throwing that in there but he didn't seem too wedded to that idea in last night's um presentation to the plan commission so it's also a, a tricky corner there's not a lot of room to access that property there's the yacht club on one side there's uh an apartment uh rental on another side and a small sliver to get in so there's the the plan commission to bring up some issues um or concerns regarding like the access points there and traffic flow in that corner um and also that mill road is in pretty desperate need of repairs too so the village may be looking at sometime in the next five to ten years redoing that road as well so it might all work into that Hmm. i guess
0: my question now that we've talked about you know two more proposed condos for sister bay is when the door hotel was proposed you and i had talked about how uh because of sister bay's occupancy rating and because of of how many people are looking to stay in sister bay every year compared to the other municipalities that a some more lodging options would be appropriate, right? Because you've got such high demand for for lodging in Sister Bay, uh, but not as much supply as you know that might meet that. So now that we're a couple years on and we've seen more proposals come in, we saw the condos developed kind of down past Al Johnson's, the ones that you see now as you're coming down the hill. Uh, you've got the Door Hotel, you've got some development that's happening behind the Door Hotel uh, as you're coming in from 57. Uh, where are we at now in terms of development in Sister Bay? In your opinion, we, we've we've done a lot here in the last couple of years. What are we looking at in terms of of like condos and hotels, that sort of development versus other types of development?
1: well in terms of like just gross number of units um it's probably still close to like a wash compared to like 15 years ago so when they they tore down helms four seasons that was a 44 unit complex if i'm remembering right maybe it was a few more than that um and then in that time they've also lost a couple of other small motels i think edge of town and um Bluffside. so in a, in the meantime they've added you know, a bunch of kind like sort, not really hotels for the most part. The Door Hotel has now come in, and that's forty-seven units. But they've also added some condominiums that essentially work as vacation rentals. The Marina Landing is often rented by the night, by the weekend. Um, there is a the condo development, which is basically the same as Marina Landing, but put on on the old school property on the top of the hill, overlooking the village. And then you have this one um, off on Mill Road, and then you'd be adding the little sister resort ones. These are all. Compared to historical like Door County condominium complexes, these are actually pretty small. Um, to put it in context, like Sister Bay Yacht Club is right next to this. That's a much bigger development complex. Um, there are a lot of homes backed by Pheasant Park. These are just put in more prominent in-your-face areas. So they stick out a lot more. Um, it's It seems that there is demand for these units. But one of the other things driving this is, you know, in the case of the Door Hotel, that's someone building a hotel that they're going to have to manage for years and years and years, you're building a business. When you're building these condominium complexes that rent as vacation rentals, you are not committing to running a business or running that property or even owning that property for the long term. It's a way to easily, from a development perspective, it makes a lot of sense because you build it and you sell the units. You immediately sell that unit for 500 dollars dollars $700,000, sometimes more. So you recoup your investment very quickly if it's a good market. You know, 15 years ago, some people built condos like that, and in some cases, never recoup their investment or aided on the investment. Um, the The difference with the hotel is you build it, and now you got to run it and make your money in two, three, four hundred dollar increments each night for the next 20, 30 years to recoup that investment. So, from a development standpoint, it makes a lot of sense to just build it and sell it within and be out within three to four years. You also aren't managing people and hiring people you know they you hire a management company they take care of everything else you get your cut it's done so you don't have to have quarters for you don't have to have offices you don't have to have laundry quarters somebody comes in takes that away like all those things that a hotel would do on site um now on the flip side there are communities like baileys harbor and the village of egg harbor that have moved forward with ordinances to change the way those have to be managed because when you do these vacation rentals you and you don't have somebody on site, you end up with problems for the neighbors. So recently, these towns have enacted ordinances that say, if you're gonna have a vacation rental, you must have an appointed manager for that rental property who lives within 20 miles, who is on call and able to respond to any complaints or issues that come up while someone's staying there. So you can't just buy this thing, live in Chicago, and say, okay, I'll take care of it in two weeks when I'm up there. You have to have someone appointed to manage that property locally.
0: Right. Interesting. So I guess my last question on this is, I feel like there is a knee jerk reaction to condo developments, right? Condos bad immediately. Uh, But let's dig into that a little bit. So I I guess I guess I could see that prominent condos that stay empty is a bad thing, right? For everybody. Yeah. Um, But what about condos that are full, right? Uh, In terms of, you know, or, or even condos that are used as vacation rental. I'm, I'm sure we can look at both of those things separately, but uh, if you develop condos in a prominent area and they fill up and they stay full, uh, is that necessarily a bad thing? I feel like from one perspective, you can be like, well, I don't live in the condo and I don't like the aesthetics of seeing the condo, but in terms of the economy of the town and the county, uh, that's that's you know more people living here, potentially full-time if not just some of the, or half of the time, half of the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is a, a tough one because you look at it and, and it, you have to kind of take a broad view and over time and say like, well, is this better or worse than say 15 or 20 years ago when when I was writing about the dead zone in Sister Bay and how everyone was being foreclosed on and people were leaving the area, even young people. So more people means more money in people's pockets, more people to dine, more people to spend money and spend taxes that support other things, the schools, the parks and things like that. But it also starts to drive up the price of homes so the very people who need to work in all those businesses can't afford homes and we, and you and i both see that all the time and we've talked about it a lot on this podcast is the the increasing lack of affordability of for somebody to get their foot in the door up here and all those developments help drive that it also aesthetically you know like this hotel or hotel this condominium development behind the sister bay Yacht club would again kind of stick out on the bluff there so instead of that natural view of the bluff you see the hotel and that changes a little bit of how a community feels and and defines itself and um how locals feel it is it is interesting to see kind of this wave of developers and this is not exactly new but this method of kind of maxing out what you can do with every small parcel so marina landing maxing out that property the school um property on the top of the bluff just maxing them out in terms of height and number of units and squeezing as much onto these lots as possible to, to squeeze every last dime out of them versus a previous ethic where even, even some places that were, that took a lot of flack years ago, didn't quite max it out. Like if you look at some of the condominiums in Ephraim, there are huge green spaces in those condominiums that help to limit the impact of visually of what they look like from the road. So just next time i'd encourage any listeners if you, if you drive through from is to kind of look at the look at some of those developments and see how they're set and how they're set back from in some cases set back from the highway and incorporate a lot of green space uh at the same time i'd encourage you to look at some of the hotels that people think are architectural wonders and then who also hate the hotel door and then just compare them and see how many are actually have like much of an ar- architectural feature to them but so there's a give and take there um that's a tough question I mean, I I get it. It's 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 the market. It's it's capitalism. People want to recoup their investment. They want to make money. Um, But you also have, if you walk through Sister Bay, you can you can go door to door and see some of the people who've been there, who own the buildings, who are operating businesses out of them, and just look at the size and scale of them compared to the ones who are just trying to develop a property and sell it off.
0: Right. Well, and I, I'm, I'm sure that there is a discussion to be had about like, instead of a condo, what would be a better use of that for the, the community, right? right. So I, you can always juxtapose like, well, instead of a condo or a hotel here, what if it was this? What if it was a, a restaurant or a business or um, green space or something like that? Um, and I feel like that's kind of the the first argument people have is why why more condos?
1: Why not this? But And sorry to interrupt you, but like when you say why not this, when you say what happens when somebody proposes a restaurant, we both see it. Everyone's like, like we need another restaurant, <laughs> sure. like we need another bar. And then if you propose retail, that's great. Everyone says, yeah, we need more retail we all shop online we like you have to be a really good retailer to make it nowadays you know right. I, and and thinking about that like i know Mitch larson at on deck and and yenny bexel from spot and space like they've done really good jobs to create shopping experiences that work but they also are working on online um, outlets as well but there aren't many that can do that like you used to where 20 25 years ago a lot of retailers could open up stores and, and make a go of it but that's it's just harder and harder to do that Right. Well, and it's
0: this this weird conundrum, too, of like what type of thing in terms of retail works theoretically and what actually works, because Mm -hmm. we think like in order to put up a new retail location, it has to do something interesting or new that we don't already have up here. Right. Uh, And you see a lot of places trying that. But the more niche those get, the harder it is to to keep the doors open because you're, you're catering to a smaller market, even though like we up here who live here think that like, Oh, this would be great to have something like this, or I wish that I could get something like this up here. And then something like that opens and 90% of the clientele uh, or the potential clientele just doesn't go there because that's not what they're looking for while they're up here on vacation or something like that. Right. So it's, it's a tough, it's a tough challenge to, to solve.
1: Well, and it, now, one person, one one business that's go- making a go of it with that is Al Johnson's with that new building that they built on the other side of, so you got Al Johnson's, it's a traditional restaurant, then you have Stabor next door and they built another building on the other side of Stabor that is a little larger than the old restaurant, but not, doesn't max out that space. That's going to be a retail location and they're, they're betting on retail a little bit. And then they also have some storage and office space in there. It's, You know, it's interesting to compare that to other properties. Al Johnson's also bought Casperson's lot. Now, before Al Johnson's bought that um, to the north of the Al Johnson's property, before they bought that, there was a proposal for another condo that would max out that property. And talking to Lars Johnson at the time, I I said, what do you have planned? He goes, well, we don't know exactly what it's going to be yet, but I'll tell you what it won't be. And that's a it won't be a four story condo maxed out on the on the sidewalk. So, it's just, that's a, that's the ethic of somebody who has been in business and has ties to the area and grew up here for, seven. you know, that family's been tied to Sister Bay for 75 years versus somebody who has a, sees the village as a, as a place to pull some money out of it. <laughs> right. um, they see it as a place where their dad invested, they're invested, their kids are going to be invested and live here. So, um, it's, it's not exactly to say what's right and, and wrong. Like, people make their individual business decisions however they need to, but... It it is a an interesting juxtaposition on the same street, right? Well, I'm sure that we will check back
0: in on both of these properties in the future. But uh, with the time that we have left, why don't we uh, shift gears a little bit and talk about something totally different? So, <laughs> Polly Fitz wrote a story about aging in place, basically taking their existing dwelling and trying to update it to be as accessible as possible for the future. Uh, walk me through this story a little bit.
1: Yeah, Polly pitched this to me, and it it. Hits me at a time when I'm dealing with this in with my own family, with uh, as my parents age, and particularly with my mom's limitations of looking at ways to make the house more safe. And everybody goes through this at some point or another. We all get older. We all have mothers and fathers who get older, and or uncles, their grandparents. So Polly wrote the story a little bit about her own uncle, um, Hugh and Cheryl Zettel, who have a house down on Glidden Drive that they remodeled, and when they remodeled it, they they did it with um, accessibility limitations and um, mobility issues in mind. So um, Cheryl's mother has MS and often uses a walker or a wheelchair. And when you look at this house, it didn't look like a house that was super difficult to get around in, but some things like narrow, narrow doorways, um, kind of cluttered, small, tight spaces to get from room to room, um, narrow hallways, little steps like six inch, even steps to the front door, all those things that if you, you know, they can be pretty costly if you have to do them one off, but they looked at it as, Hey, we're doing this remodel. Let's incorporate everything we can to make it easier. for, for our family of all levels of ability to still enjoy this house. Right. Yeah. It's, it's It's interesting
0: all the things that you take for granted as, you know, people who don't necessarily have accessibility concerns, uh, just, just how many things there are, um, or, or even like, I'm sure that your house in the, in the bathroom has rails near the shower, right? That's just something that most bathrooms have, but it's something that you take for granted when you don't have those concerns. I hang a towel on mine, right? Even (laughs) though that's not what they're used for, that's how I use them because I don't have accessibility concerns. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to look at all of those things that you can do to increase accessibility in your in your home instead of relocating somewhere else with those things already built in
1: yeah and and in this community where you have such a huge portion of the population that's over 65 and another big chunk that's 50 plus so if they're not already dealing with some mobility issues it's it's on the horizon right so some of the things that they did uh in this case making the bathroom's wheelchair accessible um, having a, a shower that you can just go into in a wheelchair without even having a tub or going over any level, like change in elevation at all for that, um, having a sink that you can pull a wheelchair right under to access it. So just a couple of things to make people not be limited visiting your home. And if you think about that, like we all have a certain point where we have a relative that just maybe stops coming over for dinner or stops coming to the holidays. In part, they, maybe they don't say it, but they, it's just too difficult like steps become daunting. Small things that we all take for granted become daunting things that make you not do something, not spend time with your family. And they wanted to eliminate as many of those as possible. And maybe at the end of the day, by having that ramp to the front door, by having the railings, by having a little pathway to the backyard that's wheelchair accessible and the right width so the walker can stay on it without getting stuck in the mud Um, and having all those things in the bathroom so that someone doesn't feel embarrassed or have to call for help while they're using the bathroom. Maybe that buys them... Three, five, ten more years of family members that are able to spend time with them versus being feeling uncomfortable and staying home. Right. Yeah. Uh,
0: this this story is really really cool to me just in general because ever since I had my son, I have adopted this like new way of working through each thing where it's like, Hey, this is something that is frustrating or makes things harder. And I want things to be as easy and straightforward as possible because I'm raising a human being and that takes a ton of resources. So every time I see a problem, I am like, okay, what can I do to make this easier, or fix this for the future? Because when, when you don't have as many things like pulling on you, uh, I feel like we just deal with those inconveniences as, it, <laughs> as we go along and we're like, oh yeah, why do you, you know, you have to hit the something to make it work. Well, how long has that been happening? Like six years. Like, well, <laughs> why haven't you fixed it? I don't know. Cause hitting it works and that's easier than fixing it right now. So like things like that, looking forward to the future and being like, okay, here are all of the things that I can improve in my day to day just to free up. I don't know. Maybe it's 30 minutes by the end of the day that I, you know, didn't spend, Fixing a problem or, or, or doing something uh, that gives me either more time with my son or more time
1: to myself or, or something like that, right? Um, so, if my wife listens to this, she's going to make me get rid of some of the broken lawnmowers that I've desperately tried to fix that have no ability to fix,
0: right? Uh, just just things like that, um, and, and 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 these types of stories about like identifying the challenges in your life and and, and improving them or fixing them so that you know you're not just dealing with that same thing over and over again it's cool and i think it's inspiring to, to everybody um whether you have accessibility concerns or not uh, or you you know you may have accessibility concerns in the future um things like this i think are, are great ways to make progress uh, just in general
1: well and you think of one of the things they did in the backyard that um they're on they're on glidden drive like on lake michigan so i'd imagine that in a normal summer they you know family comes up they spend a lot of time down by the beach and then if you had a if if they hadn't done some of these steps like all right somebody who has mobility issues maybe sits on the back deck and has to watch and is not part of the family gathering down on the beach you know they're 60 feet away and and not comfortable going down there so they put a ramp off the side they put railings on every step they they made a new path that somebody could make their way down versus like the the kind of rocky path um all those little steps that hopefully make someone feel more involved at every every step of the of the way on that property and that made me think a little bit of some of the other things that have been done that way up here if you look at the ridges with their boardwalk right from their nature center that you know years ago you you wouldn't be able to do it but i've I've gone walking down there with my own mother several times and it's just really nice it's it's not inconvenient um it it takes away a barrier to going and enjoying the same thing that like again like going down those trails is something we all take for granted and um you know egg harbors new beach where they have a, a walk that somebody in a wheelchair can go all the way down to the waterfront and dip their toes in the water uh like those thoughtful aspects you know it's it's it seems and as a business owner i've been there too where you're like well that's a lot of expense for that but you think of the quality of life improved that 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 makes with somebody for somebody else and it's hard to say that it's a bad investment. Right. Well, and just that,
0: you know, that idea of people should be able to experience these things. Um, it accessibility requirements have been in the news locally a lot in terms of just the the towers, the Eagle Tower mm-hmm. and Pottawatomie Tower. Uh, Eagle Tower, of course, was taken to the ground and is being rebuilt now with accessibility concerns in mind. So there's a, a big kind of canopy ramp that takes you around the canopy and you can get up there uh, with accessibility in mind. Right. Whereas Pottawatomie Tower it uh, looks like it uh, was just added to the historic registry. They're looking at ways to repair it without triggering the ADA. So right. trying to find ways to not have to do that. And then there's a discussion to be had about like, uh, is it, is it worth, is it worth it to preserve the tower in its current uh, state or is, um, is it better to inc- to provide more access to more people by looking at a different design for it? Uh, and and this is a conversation that people have been having for years now if we, as we've been looking at these two different things, specifically in Door County. Um, but, but yeah, I, I guess my question here is, is this something that you think Door County is doing a good job on in terms of like when you walk down the street, do you notice these accessibility uh, or areas of accessibility for people? Or is this something that you think we've got a long way to go on?
1: I would... I don't have enough experience to say, like, where we rank, you know, amongst other communities to say, like, we're doing well or not. But I know for sure it's getting better. Um, You know, Eagle Tower is going to be accessible, even though I advocated for repairing that in place for just simply to save $3.2 million, <laughs> but, um, the, you know, things like the ridges they're the, the beach, like I mentioned in egg Harbor, other buildings doing much more to make it accessible. Um, even the wide, wider sidewalks that some of our communities have done. Like I'm, I'm not a fan of putting an inch more pavement or concrete anywhere than we need to. Um, but you can see it when you walk through sister Bay on a crowded day and you like, especially now I find myself pushing a stroller. You know, not you know. I, I imagine like somebody with a wheelchair and stuff, and he's, you're like, oh, that extra space, you really value it <laughs> to be able to 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 fit into spaces and not and not be squeezed out. So I think it's getting better. I don't. I w- I would guess that like there are a lot of communities that do a lot more. Um, I guess even down in some retirement communities in Florida that I've been to, you see the change in just public planning and pedestrian planning, where you have accessible buttons for people to hit the crosswalk sign and protected crosswalk bump outs. So that largely designed around people with walkers or wheelchairs who may maybe can't jump out of the way really quickly if something (laughs) goes awry. You know, some, some protective elements that way, more flashing lights, more concern for pedestrians and cars in areas like that. We definitely don't have a lot of those things. So maybe that's the next step in in this new wave of, of planning. Right. Well, and I don't know. I mean, how would you put it? I mean, well, I, I it's. I have a different perspective, like kind of like you,
0: in that I'm not necessarily looking for these things. I was going to mention that, uh, I don't know if this is on your radar or not, but my my big thing that I'm always looking for now in every business that I go up to and in, go into in Door County is uh, whether or not they have changing stations in the men's restrooms. Hmm. I don't know if that's something that you've been keyed into or not. I mean, uh, I haven't been into a place since I had a kid. <laughs> well, no, that's that's fair. I, I guess I did have a, a couple months there where I was, you know, doing that yeah but um that's that's something that i feel
1: like maybe you'll be looking at next year Um, you know my solution this summer because we weren't going inside any places anytime i had to change my kid's diaper i tried to do it in the vehicle of one of my friends and just leave the diaper in there
0: nice that's awful it's a great
1: it's a great move
0: it's a great way to uh see who your true friends are yeah (laughs) um but yeah that's been my big thing that i've been looking at is just how many places Have changing tables in the women's restroom, but none in the men's restroom? Or if you just have one, you know, one restroom for everybody, is there a changing table in there? So... Just to be clear, like, why would the men's? Because like the women change the diapers, right? No, Miles. Not that's not how it works. Um, (laughs) uh, I've I've definitely had businesses where I have gone to change my son's diaper, uh, only to find that there's no changing table at all, and then I have to either find a place to change him, uh, or you know, get my wife to do it, or something like that. Uh, But that's, I mean, that's something that I pay attention to now. Uh, Places that have changing tables in both restaurants are definitely ranking higher on my list of places mm-hmm. to go to right now uh, and places that don't i'm always like why why isn't there one in there well we just it, it doesn't take a lot to install one either right you just bolt it to the wall so i i don't know why it's not on more people's minds especially you know in the last 20 years
1: yeah um and it, it i don't want to be ignorant of the, the cost right like having every everything that we talk about costs money but I can't imagine a changing station is very expensive. No, it's it's
0: a little bit of plastic and a little bit of metal, and you bolt it to the wall. And if you could do it in the women's restroom, there's no reason why you couldn't do it in the men's restroom as well. So uh, that's, that's my high horse for the remainder. <laughs> I haven't really been able to, because that's the thing. I've been fully prepared to talk to people and be like, hey, why don't you have this in your restroom? T- fully prepared to do that, uh, but I guess— I don't know if COVID saved me or saved them at this point because I feel like my anxiety probably would have been pretty high having those conversations <laughs> too. So I don't know. Maybe we'll see that next year or maybe both of our kids will be potty trained by the time it matters. So
1: Well, maybe you just change things by bringing it up on this podcast. We have incredible power with this well, microphone.
0: Well, I was going to say, if you're if you're shaking in your boots right now anticipating a conversation with me, <laughs> then you get on it before I have to step in there. Uh, you, you've still got some time before I'm going into restaurants some stuff again. So. <laughs> Throwing down the gauntlet. Right. But uh, yeah, if uh, if you're a restaurant owner and uh, you don't have one in, if you don't have a changing station in your men's restroom, shoot me an email at Andrew at P. Paul's and let me know why because <laughs> uh, I'm curious. Uh, Miles, do you have anything else for this week before we wrap up? No, I think we covered it all. We covered every single thing this yes. week. So thank you so much for chatting with me and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Great time as always.